example, I was in second grade. I remember this so clearly. I had a system with my dad where every bit of homework I did, I'd get like five minutes of TV time because I hated doing homework. I still do. The only reason I should have homework is to reinforce the lesson of the day so that I'm ready for the test. If I ace the test, homework doesn't matter. Anyways, I remember stacking up. I was like, oh, I'll do two things because Dragon Ball Z is on and I want 10 minutes. And because this is America, I turned on the TV and sat through 10 minutes straight of ads. Oh, no. <laughs> and a later day oh. when Goku did turn Super Saiyan 3. Oh, no. I think people forget that the whole episode before that is comprised entirely of people thinking to themselves, if he can. And then possibly what that would look like. And then he goes, now I'll do it. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. Welcome to another episode of the Waffling Tailors. We have another very special guest with us this time, and we'll get to our special guest in a moment. But as it's, it's customary, not it's not you, Squidge. Oh. I mean, you are special. You are very special. Indeed. You're very, very special. But um, <laughs> before we can get to our very special guest, I want to say hello, Squidgy. How hello, are you, Squidgy? Oh, oh, it would. Jump in Hello, the gun, Squidgy. Man. Hello, Squidgy. How are you, Squidgy? I'm not too bad. Good man, good man, good man. I now obviously the listeners can't see this because we don't record the video, but I am wearing the Dreamcast hat because uh, because it's Friday, right? That's it's a good. It seems like a good enough excuse. I'm bold. I want to wear a hat. I grab a hat. It's the Dreamcast hat. You fooled me. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, who is me? Indeed. So we've got special guests with us today. Morgan, Morgan, how are you? I'm very, very good. Thank you for asking me. I'm happy to be here. Mm. Good, good. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you're here. We're going to have a wonderful conversation. So um, for the listeners' benefit, um, Morgan is getting into podcasting. And I thought, you know, we're, we're pretty uh, approachable chaps. We can have a conversation about video games and we can put that out there. And if Morgan doesn't like it, we can just not put it out there. We'll, we'll see what, we'll see what I happens. I will right? leave mid recording. That, that's it. You mic, you mic drop, slam the door and, and this do mic is on a stand and I'll just pick the stand up and throw it. That's it. And that's your signal. To- that's my signal. <laughs> You won't be the first person to just up and leave. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I worry. Even rec- I've been, I've been, I've been abandoned. So you know, I, I, I know your pain. <laughs> Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, um, why don't you, uh, Morgan? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself then, uh, just so that then the listeners know a little bit about you, whilst whilst we're talking about the video games. Absolutely, I am the world's greatest lover. Um, Absolutely, <laughs> not really. Um, can confirm, by the way. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I 
got hoes in different country codes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, my name is Morgan Ritson. I am a writer, student, voice actor, a lot of creative things that don't make money. Um, and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia in the U.S., but my dad is English, so I sound really weird. Um, right now I'm in school studying computer science because that's a steady paycheck, as the lads will confirm. Um, and meanwhile, I'm plugging away at the thing I actually want to do, which is, you know, be creative and write and get to live the dream. Mm-hmm. So as... Uh, I keep I keep saying this, don't I, Squidge, in every single episode. As a dev, because I am a dev, um, I you know the people who listen to the show won't know that at all. Um, I, I took computer science, and I have to say the 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 percentage of creative people, or rather people with creative outlets outside of any kind of technology work in a computer science course is it's pretty much a hundred percent. You know, um, it's not always a hundred percent, but you you're talking. You know, somewhere in the in the upper nineties, I think upper ninety percent for um mm-hmm. for people who are interested in other creative things, and that's partially, you know, I think that's because working in technology in in the digital space, you're being creative every day anyway, and then you go home and you're like, oh well, you know, I'll pick up a guitar and maybe I'll play it, or maybe I'll just put it down over here. Maybe I'll hit um, someone with it. Exactly. <laughs> You may be before Morgan. <laughs> I, in feeling, <laughs> I know you're in, tight. In, in spirit, in spirit. Yeah. yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> that's it. But yeah, I totally agree that um, a lot of the computer science people, or software engineering people, technology workers, de- you know, designers, those kind of, um, you know, that kind of thing, they're, they're all really creative outside of that field, and even the ones that aren't. You know, I'm not trying to say, hey, you have to be creative to get into this field. You totally don't. But be prepared Creativity to be around such a, lot a hard of thing to define as well. I mean, I didn't think I was creative for a long time because I was very good at maths and um, was consistently told in my early schooling that I had very bad handwriting. And in my childlike logic i came to to confuse that with meaning that i was bad at writing which is true mm-hmm. and on in a purely literal sense i am literally bad at writing things down legibly mm-hmm. but um i was still a very creative person and yet i wouldn't have called myself a writer or a, a particularly creative person until you know exposure to others who kept commenting on it. It's a lot like, I don't think my voice is deep. And yet, especially because my voice never cracked, I just woke up one day and I went from, hi, mom, to, hey, mom. Um, (laughs) And yet people kept commenting on it. So I went, oh, well, I guess I've got a deep voice now. Mm. And that's fair enough. Um, Mm. one One of the things that I've always pointed out to people when they say, oh, well, I've got... Terrible this, terrible that. Um, one of the uh, one of the professors at my, at the university that I went to, um, top top man in his field. Um, he is one of the people in the UK you come to see if you want to talk about artificial intelligence. Invented his own programming languages, both dyslexic and dyspraxic. So what, what is I'm dyspraxic trying to say is for the audience. So, 
Uh, I be- so there's dyslexia, dyspraxia, and dyscalculia. So dyscalculia, dyscalculia is the one where you can't deal very well with numbers. Dyslexia is where you have trouble with letters and words. And as far as I'm aware, dyspraxia is the one with uh, where you have trouble emotions. With, um, I'm well, I, like I, logos, I was thinking, pathos, and ethos. <laughs> <laughs> no, fortunately, no. No, uh, dyspraxia is where you have trouble with um, the location of items. So you ah. may be, you come across as quite clumsy. So ah. you may fall over a bit, or and sometimes you can uh, you have trouble with memory as well. So what I'm what I'm trying to get at is you know whatever whatever. Um, disadvantage you may have mm-hmm. you can actually turn it into an advantage if you can work that hard i mean yeah. th- i mean you know this guy he, he had a lot of privileges but also you know he worked really hard you know no one gives you a doctorate right mm. so well, it depends yeah. i've seen people get honorary doctorates um well, yeah, <laughs> and, and i suppose and listen, when you finish your doctorate, i'm a huge give pedant, you the piece of paper. so don't let that <laughs> take away from your point Um, (laughs) uh, yeah i think if you care about something Mm -hmm. and you don't have the the sort of internal monologue that you can't be good at something which is unfortunately something that can be kind of conditioned in very early um then you really can focus down and do anything um Mm And I think you can still do it, even if people say you can't. A lot of people respond to that differently. And even if you're somebody like me who's a little more susceptible to outside influence, then then maybe it, it would be best to be. Um, you can eventually overcome it. And mm-hmm. I, I think the the greatest resource that anybody can have is time and if you're willing to commit time to something then you'll be good at it oh absolutely absolutely it requires that passion um whatever it is right it could be cooking it could be painting it could be development it could be music it could be uh writing it can be anything Uh, anything. Mm -hmm. that's it right absolutely whatever it is you need the passion to actually get yourself out of bed and say you know yesterday wake up look in the mirror and be like you know what today i am gonna kill somebody (laughs) absolutely (laughs) absolutely Absolutely. That that's maybe not to that extent, yeah. but you know that don't don't commit that. murder, everybody. Just you know, keep it to like yeah, yeah. victimless crimes like robbery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or perhaps get a video game that helps you yeah. to to deal with the 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 drive to do I don't Yeah, know. no, I'm with you. And if I not a video that, game, yeah. you know, elastic bands are cheaper, just flick them at people. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Do passive aggressive note taking. Yeah. That's it. No, no. And, and people are going to think that I said leave passive aggressive notes. No, I mean passive aggressive note taking. You're in your class at school. You write down, yeah, it says you. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Divide oh, by two is. because you're a f-ing idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. That could also yeah. work too. Yeah. <laughs> So, and then okay, we and then we multiply by a factor of three because the teacher told me to, and absolutely. <laughs> then we get our answer, which is not correct, but is the answer that will give me an A. 
that's it. <laughs> it sounds about right. Yeah, that does sound about right. Yeah, that, yeah, yep, that's about right. So we've talked a little bit about about who you are, Marvin. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some video games. The video that games that I get the 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 bloodlust out of. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, I'm actually not a particularly violent person, even though I am apparently physically capable of it. I've gotten security gigs on appearance alone. And I've had multiple jobs where they assumed I was in some way an undercover cop or an undercover boss. And I was like, no, I'm just fat. (laughs) (laughs) I just enjoy donuts and coffee. Maybe that's the key to life success. Just be fat and happy. Or if you (laughs) can't do that, just be fat and miserable. Um, That's how I did it. Uh, I, I am, you know, I did <laughs> martial arts for years and, um, weirdly I, I did get into fights before I started and then going through the black belt, going through the initiation and everything turned me into a pacifist. So <laughs> I, I actively avoid conflict, which is why I tend to gravitate towards games where, you know, it's it's greater than just person versus person. You know, I think those kinds of games really draw me in because it's conflict and not just on a, a man level, but on a symbolic level. Um, one game that I played recently that kind of reminded me of that is uh, Sekiro. Shadows die twice. Mm. Um, or... If you're good enough, up to four times. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's really interesting. I, I, I'm sure that you and Squidge are aware with other FromSoft games, and hopefully your audience is too. But just to be safe, you know, From Software is the developer of Sekiro. Um, published by Bandai Namco because, you know, they got dark after Pac-Man retired. Mm, and that's it. Um, they are most famous for making Dark Souls, which is uh, a great game. Uh, it's a great game series. But oftentimes the forces in those games don't really have like a sort of significance it is very much the epitome of background lore where, you know, if you read item descriptions and something, you become aware of this grand conflict going on that you just don't see any other way. Um, and it, it is interesting, but it's hard to, to motivate me to go through the lore of a game that way because I, it doesn't matter, essentially. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's like mm-hmm. people talking about abstract math or, you know, incredibly specific scientific points, you know, that can uh, are only observed in stars 200 billion light years away that orbit around each other and have this particular mass and, uh, you know, something that's just not relevant to the material experience of, of the normal man. Um, mm-hmm. I, I sort of just don't waste my time thinking about it. Um, I put that away in one of my OCD boxes 
and assume that while I'm floating through space and that fact becomes relevant, my brain will bring it back up. Mm. Um, Sekiro is very different. Um, and Bloodborne is very different. Bloodborne is another great spinoff that I love. Um, but the interesting thing about Bloodborne is that it, it deviates from that sort of grand concept of gods and, and humanity and, you know, the changing of eras. And it, it, it makes it a little more human. But ultimately, in the end, for anybody that hasn't played it, it's six years old at the very least at this point. Um, it basically sees humanity as being on the verge of taking a next step. So you do still interact with these sort of inhuman things. Mm. Sekiro is very different from that because Sekiro is entirely human-based. Like there, there is a, a a god and a realm of the gods, but it, I wouldn't say that it differs too much from sort of traditional Japanese mythology in that way. You know, there is this idea that there are gods in nature, which is um, not specific to Japan, but is perhaps represented more in Japanese art than it is in European art, because, you know, the Christians came and killed all the pagans who believed it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're not fighting against the passage of time. You're not fighting against death or decay. You are essentially fighting to protect someone you care about. And it just so happens that that person is now being thrust into the middle of this political conflict between uh, the unifying force trying to unite Japan and this holdout tiny nation that strives for independence and strives to maintain its independence. And it's hard at that point to even dislike the villain. The villain that you have for most of it is Genichiro Ashina. Um, Mm -hmm. And the first time you fight him, when you beat him, he says, he just sort of whispers, Ashina. Um, And it's a reminder that he's not like, fighting you he's not even fighting the person that you're protecting he is fighting a different force and if it were under different circumstances you probably wouldn't be enemies Mm. um and it's not something i can remember ever seeing in a in a fromsoft game the combat as well is brilliant it's a complete departure from everything else and it it makes you feel like a protagonist. <laughs> I saw somebody online say it's the the game that most makes you feel like you are an anime protagonist. <laughs> you know, you're you're in the middle of the action, you're just deflecting, it's going ting 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 ting. You're just shooting flames, some guy is over here jumping up and throwing lightning bolts at you. Somebody's kicking you in the face with a, a football, you know, <laughs> anime things. <laughs> and um mm-hmm. <laughs> It's hard to to quite explain it, but it's a game that is immensely satisfying. Um, Something I like as well is in the final world state, essentially. Um, You run down this staircase at at a castle, 
and somebody calls out to you and they say, you're a shinobi. And you go, yes. They say, please help us. <laughs> These are people that, you know, not long before were trying to kill you. And, and yet now they're under siege and they realize that mm-hmm. you're not an enemy anymore, at least not to the same degree. Mm-hmm. And they ask you for help and you can go help and, and defend this fledgling little country. And I don't feel like you ever get a chance to be that impactful in other FromSoft games mm. um, to have this person's like dying breath be somebody requesting you help defend his home. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the side characters, I mean, that person's not even really a side character. You see him in that scene alone. Uh, but there are other side characters who in other FromSoft games would be incredibly depressing and irredeemable people or people that at the very least don't seek redemption. Mm. Um, and yet in Sekiro, everybody is doing generally heroic things, even if ultimately it costs them. They, they do want to do the best for themselves and, and the people around them. Yeah. And whereas Dark Souls 3, I remember getting into the Ringed City DLC and just having my depression and nihilism just completely reinforced by like the the NPCs going, oh yeah, the passage of time makes everything meaningless. Your struggles are in vain. Nothing changes. The cycle repeats and this conversation even doesn't matter. I'm like, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just this nihilistic dread that that effuses Dark Souls three, um, really strangely contrasted with this sort of what's the word I'm looking for? This durable optimism hmm. uh, of Sekiro that that not only can things be okay, but they will be okay because we keep rising to fight the battles again. Hmm. Um, and I've always found that really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I've been playing other games as well, but if you guys want to add anything to that. <laughs> so so what I was going to say was that um, I, I don't think many... The, okay, so how do I put it? In in most uh, video games where there is a conflict, right? It's always been us versus them. And when the them are gone, hooray, we're the good guys. And we're, you've, you're always the protagonist, right? You are always... It, There's almost it, always a clear delineation. Yeah, yeah. the good Morally and the bad. The, the us and the them, right? And the them is always... On the other side of the well, you know, I I, I heard that they said that 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 you wore really bad shoes yesterday. And you know, he that kicks kind of, puppies. That's it, right? Yeah. And it's always that very very clear to we are the good people in this in this instance, and we need to defend ourselves. We must be. Yeah. We're why? Oh, sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, well, I mean, you know, going back to something like Dragon Quest, which is. Mm-hmm. 
it, you know, it may seem a little elementary now, but only because it, it is the literal foundation of the RPG genre or mm-hmm. the JRPG mm-hmm. genre at the very least. There is this exceptionally clear moral line between you and the villains. Um, that's just not the most realistic thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's 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 almost never that simple, right? It's almost never. Uh, it's yeah, it's almost never that simple. It's always it's almost never the point that every single person in the opposing force is the 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 puppy kicking the uh donut throwing on the floor the you like this coffee well i'm going to throw it in the river you know it's not it's almost 99 percent of the time a conflict isn't that you know on either side of of a, a war a fight whatever there's one group of people who are like We've been trapped in this, and we're being pushed into this, and we don't. And and you never see that in any kind of interactive storytelling. You get it in storytelling in books and films a little bit, but you don't get it in that interactive storytelling. That that ability, like you said there, where the, that point in the game where you can go, you know what, um, I can help these people if only I'm helping them to stay alive for the next five minutes. I can help them. Mm-hmm. You know, you never get that. It's always been like you look at something like um, a Final Fantasy, right? The the bad guy is the big bad guy who's the worst bad guy ever, and this, this antagonist is going to be the worst person to attack anything ever, and they're going to wipe out the planet. Why? Because they are they you know they're they're because because yeah that's why Plot. they're going to do it because right, and it's up to you. You are going to be the person that saves the world, saves the whatever, saves the princess, saves the prince, saves whoever you're saving. You are going to be the savior, and and there's never that, there's never that focus on subtlety. What about yeah? What about what about the foot soldier right at the front who has been dragged along and was conscripted along the way and is standing there with a pike or a sword and thinking this is the first time i'm having to fight anyone and the sword is shaking because they're worried because they don't know if they're even going to survive the next 30 seconds yeah and that pikeman in in his mind it's basically it's it's not the this opposing force has got these ideals now opposing force has got that to him it's it's me or the other person Mm -hmm. and i need Mm -hmm. to survive it's it's nothing to do with who he's fighting for it's pure survival so this is perhaps not as urbane a reference as i would like it to be but um lad bible (laughs) did a a video (laughs) last year or the year before um where they interviewed uh, or hosted a conversation between a soldier who had fought in World War II and a soldier who had fought in Afghanistan. And it was unbelievably interesting hearing the way that both of their experiences were very similar, and yet they were perceived very, very differently, both you know, by others and even by themselves. Um, and ultimately, yeah, even in World War II, which now we think of as this grand ideological conflict for you know good against evil, at the time, I mean, we didn't even know the co- the Holocaust was happening. Um, I apologize if that uh, 
where it has offended anybody. Um, but it, it became for a lot of the, the people on the ground, this guy's trying to kill me and I need to make sure that I'm going home. Mm. Um, and, and I will say that for a lot of Final Fantasy, in their defense, there is often a sort of tragic villain. But to help your point even further, they're never the final boss. No. <laughs> you know, in Final Fantasy III, which was my first intro to the series, um, Xerxes or Xandra, I can't remember his name, Star Trek and X, the wizard. Um, Mr. X. He, it, yeah. Uh, X gonna give it to you. Um, <laughs> That's the one. He, uh, Xantha, I think, he <laughs> um, is one of three disciples of this grand mage who gave them each a gift. He gave um, one of them, you know, essentially the mastery of white magic. He gave the other mastery of black magic, and he gave Xantha um, mortality. And he saw this as like a curse. As I think even just saying that, both of you were probably like, well, that sucks. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so his goal is to sort of give his life significance by taking everything with him. You know, if I'm going out, I'm taking you with me so that the world will have, you know, I will have mattered. Mm-hmm. But he's ultimately like a puppet for the ultimate big bad, which is the void, the cloud of darkness, who is just like this nihilistic presence that's trying to return everything to the void because that's where it came from, which is like a really morally unambiguous, okay, well, we oppose that sort of villain to prop up for the final bit. Mm. Um, Yeah, I, I think the key to a good story is good characters. And I think that good villains are maybe more important than good heroes. Mm. You have to have somebody that's doing things for a reason. And Mm. the reason can't just be because you want them to as a, as an author. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Um, the, the, the example I always give, um, is, what I think is one of the greatest uh, stories uh, in film, and that is uh, of Die Hard. Every, when I tell people that, they say, "What the dumb action movie? You know, yippee ki That's it." And I'm like, "Yes, okay, right." <laughs> exactly, right, right. But watch, watch Gruber, right? He is the most three D, um, th- sorry, the most three dimensional villain of the eighties, right? Most of your eighties action movies are, Oh, and I'm going to smuggle loads of cocaine in because that's what I'm going to do. I'm corporate America. Or, oh, I'm going to you. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll do lots of horrible just things like, to people because I want unsettlingly to. accurate for what the future was. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But if you, if you look at Gruber, he has, he has motivation He's got he like he he genuinely believes that he is the protagonist in that story. Yeah, he genuinely believes that he is the the. And I think people goal. underappreciate because you know all of the sequels have been Crap. sort of action <laughs> for the sake of action. Um, in the first film, the inciting incident is not the heist. Like 
that's not why the characters are there. Characters are there for something totally unrelated. Mm -hmm. And then these two stories just sort of crash together Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. form their own new narrative. Mm -hmm. So I think I, listen, I'm with you. Um, (laughs) I went to film school briefly um, before I failed. Um, But not because of film, <laughs> but we talked about a bunch of, of movies and yeah, I think Die Hard does get slept on because the uh, sequels have been less sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's because, it, I mean, it was originally written in the sixties as a, a film noir for um, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, that's a bunch of words that don't make sense when you say them like that. They are indeed <laughs> words. <laughs> but, mm. but yeah, I, I'd read somewhere that it was originally supposed to be a vehicle for, for Sinatra's comeback. And I'm like, mm. I, I mean, I can. He made do without it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But, um, sort of when it comes to they, they go hand in hand right because uh, a video game is an interactive story and you need someone to tell a good story you need good characters all across the all across the board right for it to be good and the way i see it is if you want a clear black and white good versus evil watch kids tv mm. if you want interesting characters with depths and stuff you you do, you're not expecting to see something like that with something aimed at a more mature audience. Like, for example, if you watch The Mandalorian, right, it's not black and white. There's a lot of moral gray area mm-hmm. on all the areas. If if you apply that to a video game, it adds so much more depth. If you apply good versus evil to a video game, it's very sort of forgettable yeah, in okay. a way. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's it's forget there's there's no replay value to it, mm-hmm. you know. It's it, it can be good, but you know, you want the deep story like what from software is known to do, mm. you know, you, you get the morally yeah. gray area. The world builders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have that moral gray area. And once you've got that, you know, you just plop the game on top and mm. it, it'll, hopefully it'll work. <laughs> yeah. The interesting thing though, is that, you know, normally you are not um, an actor in, in that gray morality um, or in the world uh, on that, scale Sekiro you are like you are an incredibly important actor in the actions of this world mm-hmm. and you are deciding the course of uh, of history essentially which I think is so much more interesting and engaging mm-hmm. uh, as a video game player uh, also I I'm writing a fantasy novel with a uh, uh, you know a gentleman thief a lovable rogue. And so Sekiro, the, the character, is a really good mold for that. Like he is, and the combat's great for that. Mm-hmm. He is um, very quick. He's very wily. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of tools that you can use in very creative ways to, to get around problems. Um, it, it, I think it's just such a good game. I think it's a brilliant game. That's actually what I'm writing about for uh, a publication coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, should be later in the year, but um, yeah, I'm writing an article about it. And 
Look, look forward to that. Yeah, yeah. For uh, friends of the show, Lost in Cult, who are producing mm-hmm. the Lock On Video Game Journal, uh, we've we've chatted to two of the chaps from uh, Lost in Cult previously. We're hoping to catch them again, but apparently they're coming up to uh, the printing of Volume One, and unfortunately, that's taking all of their time. So. I, I just want to say I wish him the best of luck. I'm mm. eagerly awaiting um, oh, yeah. my physical copy of Lock On V1. Um, and and uh, John was actually going to um, he was going to uh, share some early early designs and uh, with a bunch of people. And I was one of those people. And I said, look, I'd love to see it, but I kind of want to see it in my hands first. If that's, mm. if that makes sense, yeah. you know, I don't want to spoil the surprise. Um, mm. so I've had to sort of, uh, walk away <laughs> for a little mm. while from that group. He's so got I, more strength than I. Can I talk about another game I've been playing? Absolutely, please do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one other game I've played, um, we talked about Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy fourteen, mm. which is the MMO. Well, it's mm-hmm. one of two MMOs. It's the only one still online. Mm-hmm. Um, and it appeals to me in a lot for a lot of reasons. One is that um, it probably does have the best writing of of the Final Fantasy games. Um in that you know the the world itself feels very real and the characters don't necessarily feel like caricatures. I, I'd argue even the villains that are like, I'm doing this for the Empire, are like, well yeah, you know, he is like fighting for his home. Like that's mm-hmm. where he's from. And um I I uh I love games with job systems. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I love the option to to play things in a different way and to strive for new aesthetics. I think I realized something within the past year, which is that I often play video games in search of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. A- and what I mean by that, dear listeners, is um, I want to be able to sort of escape the mundane modernity how do you say it modernity yeah of uh, of the everyday by wearing the aesthetic the the realized vision of something more extravagant something more adventurous and bold and by embodying embodying that aesthetic i feel a little bit more escaped from the things that you know are going on and good god we need something to escape because <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm in school, which is, and I don't even know if that's what I need to be doing. I'm like, should I go for like certificates or should I go for a degree? And also, you know, like there's just a lot going on with the world that mm. is very rarely uplifting, mm. <laughs> and I have a few ways to escape that. One is by chatting with people like you and Squidge or you and Jay, depending on who wants to pretend I was talking to them. (laughs) And uh, the other is by, you know, pretending I'm something else. 
strapping your boots on, getting your pistols and thinking, bring it on, I'm going to take on everyone. I am the mass mumbler. In bright pink armor, let's do this, you know. Absolutely. (laughs) Escapism has been a thing for, and I don't mean, I don't mean escapism in any kind of negative sense. I'm I'm like, let's go and look at this fantastical thing and be right. Reading novels, telling stories, Uh, stories go back millennia, right? And so uh, telling stories, reading stories, uh, seeing uh, performances of stories, um, movies, TV shows, radio, video games, whatever comes next, VR perhaps, or some other thing, some other way of escaping the world, right? Whatever it is, I, I, I genuinely believe that everyone should do it every now and again. And some people can get that, that joy of escapism from video games. Some people get it from going on a particularly nice vacation. Uh, some people get it from going to a wine tasting class, you know, whatever it is, I am all for, as long as it's, you know, whatever it is that you're doing is legal. I am all for doing the thing that helps anyone um, sort of relax and get some space. And if it's searching for aesthetic or if it's, you know, uh, going out and uh, I'd rather not know that people are capturing wild animals and doing things like uh, capturing butterflies or whatever. But if that's what's making you happy, then, you know, it's not my place to say whether you can or can't. Yeah, so, butterflies. Absolutely. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Um I think as long as you're not actively harming others or yourself go for it I, I, I mean i grew up in like a atlanta the city is isn't as exceptionally liberal and it's very separate culturally from a lot of the things around it unfortunately i grew up like outside the city and then moved in so like i i got a lot of very fundamentalist religion preached at me mm. And my general approach to religion and a lot of other things is whatever stops you from killing people. And like what if it's whatever stops you from like hurting or killing people, do it. Mm. I I don't care if it's like honking at me in traffic, if it's like you know, eating something unhealthy, if it's like, you know, masturbating or something, like just do it. Just get it out of the way so that the rest of us know that you're not going to just explode. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, with the last one, maybe you will. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I take a very sort of not entirely laissez-faire, but just don't hurt people. Mm-hmm. And as long as you enjoy something and it's not hurting people, uh, I'm, I, I I fully support your uh, pursuit of it. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm the the bummer about MMOs is that they uh, oftentimes require the one resource that we can't renew, which is time. Mm-hmm. And right now, I'm waiting for a squadron that I deployed to come back and tell me that I've earned a promotion. And uh, it's overdue. I'll say it. Everyone's thinking it. I, I need. I deserved that promotion a long time ago. Uh, I would give you the promotion if I could. Thank you. <laughs> I will take money. Um, <laughs> well, 
uh, listeners, uh, send it over to his Venmo account. Yeah. <laughs> I got a message from like a friend, which was clearly just a hacked message going like, you can buy $500 worth of this cryptocurrency. And, you know, when you do, I'll give you this. Just mm. buy $500 worth of it and send it to this wallet. Mm. And I was like, I don't think you know how much $500 is to most people. Like, mm-hmm. that's not an amount of money that we can just kind of give away on like short notice. Mm-hmm. Let, let alone like the shadiness of it, of like going like, oh, it has to be in this specific cryptocurrency so that it's liquidated. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just bizarre. But, uh, yeah. I don't remember what brought that up. <laughs> uh, so you were talking about how you uh, searching for the aesthetic recently. Yes, yes, yes. Um, one of my favorite ever aesthetics is, um, as I said, I'm trying to build with my character, which is the this skillful rogue, the the noble thief, the 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 gray operator. And there have been two things recently that have helped that have uh, helped me feel that vibe and have inspired some writing. One of them is uh, the Red Mage from Final Fantasy. Mm. Um, we weren't recording, but I mentioned um, that in cybersecurity, there's white hats, there's black hats which basically corresponds to good hackers and bad hackers. And there's gray hats, which are a combination of both. And people have also tried to introduce other terms like blue hats, green hats. I think I've seen yellow hat somewhere and red hat. And I thought red hat, oh my God, like red mage. And it's not that unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, but it did remind me about red mages because they I think premiere in the first Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. but they didn't have a distinct identity until Final Fantasy three, where they, you know, take on this sort of gentleman dandy sort of thing where you've got a red cape and a red hat and, and a rapier and you are going across the country and like a duelist just fighting villains and casting spells mm-hmm. and I've always loved that aesthetic. And um, the other thing that has done that, if we can talk about TV for just a bit, uh, has been um, Lupin on Netflix, which is um, fantastic. It's based on the series of uh, the, the literal progenitor of the term gentleman thief, Arsène Lupin. Um, and uh, it's brilliant. It, it was shot in French. You can watch it on Netflix in English. I would generally recommend subtitles because it makes, you know, more sense. <laughs> like, it's it's always really disconcerting when, you, when I see a live action dub because I'm like, that's not what they're saying. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear, like in English, no. I won't let you do that. And the person's mouth will like still be moving. <laughs> um, animation's a bit different because animation obviously is 
it's not necessarily lip synced. The it's animated, and then the actors come in afterwards to try and match the lip sync. Um, but I would recommend watching it in its native French, and it's so clever. It's it's so fun the way that they set up each episode uh, and manage to make it look like a magic trick. You know, there's the pledge, the turn, and the prestige. Um, it's really helped inspire me to do some writing. And uh, I think, hopefully, it's inspired people to check out Arsène Lupin. I mean, it's um, it, it's in the public commons now. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you can't just find a version of it. But um, for whatever reason, it just never really made it in the English-speaking world. So it's hard to find translations that don't make me go insane with grammatical errors. (laughs) Mm Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, thief, the game as well, even though that story was very weird. Um, and the way that it's, it's played out is very strange has a great sort of noble thief aesthetic that I, I love to play. Um, you know, there's no sequel, and having played the game, I get it. <laughs> uh, but it's just a, a fabulous time, to, a fabulous way to explore the shadows and and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I feel like I ramble so much. <laughs> no, is there is there a, like a sort of next segment that I should be making way I for? Mean, well, what I'll say to you is, would you recommend? Um, FF14, and would you uh, recommend Sekiro to the listeners slash me? So just to give you a little bit of uh, background information, the reason this segment exists is because I don't get to play many video games these days. So I like to talk to people like yourselves, like Squidge, these people that I that I respect, and I say, look, what's something you've been playing? Respect it. And do you recommend it? Well, I mean, I tell him my respect. <laughs> I thought Squidge would laugh at that. He didn't, and now I feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. But, yeah, so would you recommend Sekiro and uh, Final Fantasy XIV? No. To- More for me. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I would 100% recommend Sekiro. Uh, I can do that without any complicated feelings because I think it is a brilliant game. Um, Final Fantasy XIV, uh, it is an MMO, so there's a monthly pres- uh, prescription. <laughs> yeah, you take it in pill form. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's a monthly subscription, yeah. but you can do a free trial for 30 days, which includes the base game and the first expansion. You can play up to level 60, which is unfortunately where my characters are, even though I have like two DLCs. Beyond that, I just I stopped playing in 2018 and then just picked it up yesterday mm-hmm. um, at the behest of somebody else in uh, our Lost in Cult friend group. Um, I think it's brilliant, and especially if you have friends like uh, me and the other person in, in the group, it, it can be very fun. And there's an incredible amount to offer, but you don't have to do all of it. Because I, I know a lot of people, including myself, because I've got like OCD about side quests. <laughs> um, it, when you get a lot of like 
content just thrown at you, it can be very intimidating and very off-putting. I think Final Fantasy fourteen introduces it very gradually, very well, very logically. And also something important is that in a lot of MMOs, your character feels sort of unimportant. Um, you know, you feel as if you're one of a number, like you're just a member of this army or what, or that army or whatever, mm. um, or you're a student at this academy or something. Um, Final Fantasy XIV does a great job of making your character feel significant. That's the first thing that really gripped me about it when I played it in 2015, um, mm-hmm. is that it felt like I was a unique and important character and player. Um, and because of that, I, I will always recommend it over any other MMO. <laughs> um, you know, we, we briefly touched on nihilism and this idea that, you know, we are insignificant and, you know, on a cosmic level, maybe that's true, but it's not healthy to, to think that <laughs> in a day to day situation. So having a game where when I'm disassociating, I can, or derealizing, which I've learned is apparently something I do. Um, Having a game that I can escape to where it feels as if, you know, I'm significant without being alone, Hmm. it's brilliant. So I highly recommend both of those games. I'd be interested to find out. I, I'm not sure. It's, is it the same? So I, I the only online Final Fantasy MMO that I've played is, is the previous one. 11. Uh, Final, I want to say, yeah, 11, yeah. Um, so I'd be interested to, because I think it isn't, 14 is the one I'm thinking of that they made the TV show for. Have you seen the TV show? No, the they made Father that for Final Light? Fantasy 15. 15, okay. Which is ah, one-off, but numerically... In Roman numerals, very different. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> See, yeah, that's, no, I, but yeah, I, I totally get your confusion. Um, yeah. It was a good t- Yeah, they did like a really interesting multimedia campaign for 15, which mm-hmm. I was not a fan of at the time. But in retrospect, I'm like, that's pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. I still don't like 15. I think it's a very um, <laughs> empty game in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it's not an aesthetic that I really enjoy. This like boy band in a cool car going around casting magic. I'm like, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. That that's not the story I want to I want to play. Um, and the combat is really awful. It's, <laughs> it's so chaotic. Like you, it, it it's impossible to feel that you are in control of any combat. Um. And they improved upon that with the Final Fantasy VII remake because they use largely like a similar battle flow, but they make it feel much more controllable. Um, 14, I should also say there was something else. Um, Oh, yeah. From a writing perspective... I have to explain why the the development team for 14 is the boldest, 
just craziest group of motherfuckers like ever um because it's called final Four, final final no give me two minutes to reboot and then <laughs> it's called final <laughs> fantasy 14 a realm reborn and i thought mm-hmm. oh that's kind of cool like it, so it's like a pre-existing world what i didn't realize is that it's called a realm reborn because they launched it before that Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. terrible by all accounts. It mm-hmm. was, it was not thought out. Mm. Um, it, it took forever to level. The rewards just didn't really seem to to scale or or properly reward the the effort that you would have to put in. Um, and so they got rid of that team, and then a new team took over. And they're like, okay, well, we're fighting this war against the Garlean Empire, and uh, you know they're trying to summon these primals to, to you know, up. And they're like, what if they win? And so they do. Like the, the if you were on when the servers turned off within, I, I think it was the last hour, or at least the last few hours, you got um a mission. To report to this place, Revenant's Toll, and your mission would be to repel enemy forces. And they would spawn infinitely, and they would spawn in greater numbers the more time went on. You were literally designed to lose this MMO. And then the the server shut down, and within like half an hour, they post the trailer that I'm sure almost everybody saw, which is the final battle. And it's you losing. It is Bahamut being summoned from the moon and destroying everything and everyone (laughs) and you being transported into the future. And that's where the game picks up. I have so much respect for them for just being like, well, this game is like, you know, we have to work and fix a lot of things. So... Why don't we just like crash the moon into the planet and wipe out all known civilizations and like give all of these characters deep traumatic, you know, experiences for the rest of their lives. <laughs> and then we'll just start over blank slate, you know, just as you do. We'll literally scorched yeah. <laughs> Uh And it, it is cool. You do get, there is a difference. If you were a legacy character, you get a very different, um, introduction and your interactions with some of the characters are, are just completely different. Um, and I just, the, the chutzpah that are, is required to basically go, well, we've spent like a year making this world. Now we're going to kill it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like yeah. they killed, I mean, like your mentors and even the main villain, they just killed. They're like, we're just starting over. And I just, yeah, it's so it's such a cool little behind the scenes thing. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was my last yeah, little anecdote. No, no, that's that, that's cool. Um, I I I do feel as though so the TV show that I was thinking of earlier on it is for Final Fantasy fourteen. Is it? Um, it's a yeah. There's a live action TV show for fourteen called Daddy of Light. Final Fantasy fourteen, Daddy of Light. And essentially the storyline is it's this father and son who connected when he was a child with Final Fantasy three. Oh yes. No, I know and what you're then, talking about. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I completely forgot about this. <laughs> yeah. 
because it's not like a tie-in. It's just like a a, mm-hmm. um, just, a, a, a show ha- like, built around Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never watched. Uh, it. I was it's just good. wondering whether. You've ever... Oh, it it's. Uh, I'd say a rather saccharine, but but it's it's good. It's good. But of, very. Yeah. A lot of yeah, because it, it's all about it's all about the, yeah a father and son reconnecting via playing a video game. They live in the same house. They don't talk to each other. See, um, I'm thinking like as you're saying this right now, my wheels are turning. I could make that a good and compelling story, mm-hmm. and it sucks that oftentimes, for the sake of product placement, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. The, there's also the unfortunate fact, apparently, because I've seen uh, half of the show. I've, there's only um, eleven episodes or so, and it is on Netflix. So I would recommend it if you have what, eleven hours to spare or whatever. Um, and and who does these days? But um, I, the unfortunate fact is that apparently it was really good, and um, lots of people really like it. But the gentleman who plays the father passed away shortly after they made it, so they can't make an another season which is a real shame because obviously if the whole point is that they reconnect you can't you know you yeah. you can't really go anywhere from there without him being yep. around you know he sure is dead as hell but there is that yep this is a famous <laughs> actor because i remember looking him up through something else and finding out about mm-hmm. this show that's how i knew about it um mm-hmm. Rano Sugi. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, he passed away in 2018. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I heard about it just by looking him up. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, yeah, if, apparently he was in a dead or alive movie. That's kind of interesting. So it won't, so in, in Japan in the early 90s, there was a series, I think, of straight to straight to VHS de- Dead or Alive movies, but they're not related to the video game. They're uh, yeah. sort of uh, Japanese gangster and yeah. zombie sort of. Well, this is two thousands. Yeah, and it's Dead or Alive two, oh, right. unrelated to Dead or Alive or Dead or Alive Final. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Wow. There you go. Sending you down an IMDb yeah. hole here. <laughs> but yeah, um, if you do have the time and you have access to Netflix, I'd, I'd recommend giving it a try. Oh my God. It, like I say, it does get very He was also in a, to, uh, a show called Full Metal Yakuza, which I was like, oh, like it's probably not like Full Metal Alchemist. They probably mean it like Full Metal Jacket. And I clicked on it and the mm-hmm. poster is like, no, it's Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> um, it's a Japanese <laughs> action and satire film. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that wasn't important. Well, there you go. <laughs> no, it's no, it's good. It's good because, like you say, you get to you get to find out about this TV show now. And if you want to watch it, you don't. Yeah. You know, it's 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 your eyeballs. What you put into your eyeballs is up to you, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is a very strange way of putting it, but that's that. I'm sticking <laughs> with it. I've said it now. <laughs> it's out there in the universe. <laughs> wow. Excellent. Uh, They apparently released a movie. 
mm-hmm. called Brave Father Online, Our Story of Final Fantasy XIV, um, which is based on the TV show and obviously has a new Baby. person playing the father. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be amazing if it weren't? Like it's just like very clearly like a, a, a this sort of morbid meat puppet just being <laughs> puppeteered. Weekend at yeah. Bernie style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you. That's Final Fantasy more necromancy from oh. the Middle Ages. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um so what we'll do, if it's okay with you, Mark, we'll do one more segment. Uh, just because I'm very aware of the time. Um, for us, you should have never let me on. I told you that I was going to talk a lot. I didn't tell you, the audience doesn't know that. So I can say that I told you anything and you told me something, and they'll have to believe me. (laughs) Absolutely, you told me the winning lottery. You said if I Uh, I messaged you on Twitter by using your your Instagram handle, you're not your Instagram, your Twitter handle. And just said relentlessly, hey, Jay, what are the numbers that you would tell me and anyone else who ever did it mm-hmm. forever? <laughs> but I didn't tell you which yes. lottery. But oh, yeah. <laughs> might as well try, right, audience? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. This is where I hand yeah. over the Twitter message handling to Squidge. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um so here's here's the mm-hmm. thing right sounds a little violent but this is the setup for the next segment okay it's the thunder plane games now for people who haven't played it final fantasy 10 has this idea this of thunder planes accidentally been it's a very place. final fantasy centric episode why not you know mm. yeah totally i i, I apologize if anyone is mm-hmm. off put by that no please don't Please don't, please don't, please don't. We've had plenty of Final Fantasy uh, mm-hmm. specific episodes in the past, and it's always come I, up. I'll have so to come on and good. do Dragon Age, or not Dragon Age, Dragon Quest next time. Balance it out. <laughs> uh, why not both? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so here's the thing, right? We're going to take you to the to the uh, Thunder Plains. We're going to open up the portal to the Thunder Plains. We're going to rather politely kick you through it, which is not a thing that you can do. You can't really politely kill oh, someone. That was very polite. Anyway, so we're going to let... <laughs> exactly. Right on the polite bone. Um, <laughs> or, or would it be the polite zone? Anyway, you're going through to the to the, to the Thunder Plains, <laughs> and what we're going to do is we're going to say you, you may be there for a day, a couple of days, maybe a week. Um, we're going to give you all the, the food and drink you need to, to, to sustain you there. Uh, you've got all the shelter that you need, and... And what we're saying is, if you have to be there for an unknown amount of time, you can take three video games with you. We'll give you any consoles or machinery you need to play them, and access to the internet, with the proviso that you promise not to ask for help, because help is on the way. So, my question to you, Morgan, is which video games are you taking? Alright, let me get in character. Okay. Oh, hey, Jay and Squidge, this is a nice day. What's that? Is that like a portal or something? Ugh! Oh, that was, at least it wasn't a very rude kick. Well, looks like I'm in the Thunder Plains. <laughs> it sure is gosh darn loud over here. And 
Thank goodness there seems to be food, water, and shelter nearby. <laughs> this feels a lot... Oh, and there's a note saying, I'll, you know, get help. Okay, well, this feels like a really horrible forced camping trip then. But <laughs> I might as well sit down with Rocket League. Hmm. Ooh. Uh, nice I choice. Love nice choice. Uh, Rocket League. I love cars. I love racing. I love football. So, and I love physics because it is a really good physics engine. Um, so, for mm. a lot of nerdy reasons, it, I will say, um, I will say Rocket League. Other ones are a bit more difficult. Hmm. I mean, you could just take no, no, no. Don't worry. I will. I'll pick something else (laughs) because I'm ADD. I I could not. I I would just get so disillusioned with everything if I was stuck with one thing. Hmm. Um, Let me grab this Nintendo Switch and see what's there. Ooh, that's a good idea. And let me boot up this Nintendo Switch. And let me pull up Mario Kart. <laughs> Mario Kart 8 Ooh, Deluxe. Another very good choice. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much an extension of my last answer. I love racing games and I love arcade games. Mm-hmm. And you can't possibly get any more iconic in either of those categories than Mario Kart. You know, it is its own genre in many ways. <sighs> There's so many choices. <laughs> hmm. So my final desert island, I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> remember it's uh, similar thunder to, plane. But, yeah. Similar to, but legally different. Thunder plane <laughs> thing or thing. Mm-hmm. Cause we've got to alliterate. Absolutely. Um, hmm. This is, this one's tricky because I do love a lot of games and it's hard to pick three. The first two I could just pick up and play, you know, but I think I'll want something a little more story driven. So what I'm going to say as I come up with more words to buy me time. (laughs) I am going to say it's between like two things. Um, Okay. I will say Persona 5 Royal. There's so much to do in that game. It's got a brilliant aesthetic. The music is amazing. The I mean, it's how I've educated myself on on certain mythologies because I, I, you know, the the shadows are figures of mythology. Hmm. Um, and it's got so much replay value. Um, I I I would bring that. That would be my third one. So my three choices are Rocket League, Mario Kart, and Persona 5 Royal. 
I like or Yakuza like a dragon, but probably Persona Five Royal. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting the vibe that from the first two you chose, you don't mind raging out a bit. <laughs> I'm actually, I, I'm actually really calm. <laughs> I used to all the time, but I, I lost my temper a lot as a kid, and so now I've got like this really ingrained pavlovian shame response to <laughs> anger <laughs> like whenever i'm angry i feel ashamed because i'm like mm. i shouldn't be angry mm. people are going to be upset about me for being angry and especially now that like i'm six foot three people mm. are like oh my god <laughs> like I, I get much less leeway for being demonstrably angry than you know somebody five foot eight mm. um because they can't hurt as many people, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> is the thought process. Um, but I actually really love challenging games like Dark Souls and stuff because it helps me, you know, get a hold of my my anger and stuff. Because I can get really angry, but it won't help. And uh, you know, with the other games, I'm just. You just get good, scrub. Mm. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty good at Rocket League, and I'm pretty good at Mario Kart. I was going to say, so, you, you being a, a Mario Kart player, being completely calm, you must be one of three people in the entire yeah. globe that can stay calm while oh, playing Mario I Kart. I am a serial killer. We should have established <laughs> that. Ah, right. Um, okay. Yeah, no, but yeah, that's where <laughs> it is. It is harder at some times than others to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially with power-ups on. But ultimately, I feel like I'm just going to go fast. And, and mm-hmm. if they try to slow me down, I'm just going to have to go faster. <laughs> yeah. So far, people haven't been able to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I debated Smash Brothers which is a game that I will get very upset at. Oh, yeah, I do as well. It's so um, rage-inducing. Uh, it's very fun when you are the one in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you... Uh, you know, I think of combat as somebody that did martial arts for eight years. I, I, I see it as self-defense uh, and this sort of give-and-take conflict. You know, you go, I go, you go, I go. Uh, and that is not how high-level <laughs> uh, Smash Brothers players see it. They will just hit me and then keep hitting me so that I can't hit them. Um, and then I will quit and go tell them a lot of things that I probably couldn't say here. <laughs> um, or that I could say but don't want to. <laughs> For legal reasons. <laughs> I saw in one of your podcasts, um, you guys talk about controllers, like what's the best controller you've ever used. Yeah, yeah, we could totally talk about that. Um, So, yeah, so what we do with that one is it's based on a tweet that I saw by Sin Species, and he is an amazing person. Um, And he once tweeted out asking people what is the best and worst controller you've ever used. And so we totally stole that. Yeah, Um, the worst one is the fun one. 
<laughs> uh, what are your answers? What's the worst ones that you guys have used? Oh, now you see, I don't think we ever turned this round and talked about it. I oh, so, yeah, so I did. Me. I did. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. That shows how and good mine is. You've got to look in the mirror sometimes. You can't just show it to others. <laughs> That's true. I mean, for me, the, the worst, it's a bit controversial, but it's the mobile phone. Um, mm, I cannot yeah, play any okay. game on a mobile. And I understand a lot of people do and a lot of people like it, but I just, I can't, to me, a mobile phone, apart from like social media and stuff, it's, it's, it's designed to be an emergency contact device. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a if if you're in a pickle, you you need to ring someone quickly, or you need to be told that you know some, something's happened to someone. It is primarily used as a phone or a texting device. I games on that don't seem to gel with me. Not only because I can't do them, I'll be honest, but it's it takes a battery life, and I just I, I just can't deal with it. I, do you have an iPhone? No, I've got an Android oh, device. Um, that's surprising. I know. I was but, wanting to flex on iPhone for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I just, I, it's just, just the virtual analog stick thing. And, just give me a pad, mm-hmm. some sort of yeah. pad, anything, yeah, right. arcade stick, you know, a, a, a hammer to whack a mole with. I, just a phone just does not work for me. So that's that's the mm-hmm. worst for me. I just yeah, I don't that's a, that's a good answer. Um. Jay, <laughs> uh, you can't steal his answer because it was good. Yes, that's true. Yep. And this isn't about finding good things. This is about self-exploration. <laughs> I'll I'll go with mine. My worst okay. is very controversial. Ooh. My worst is um, that I can remember. Oh man, I'm. I think I'm starting to think of something even worse. But the one that immediately came to mind was the Nintendo 64. The only pad that needs three hands to use it. Yeah. It's awkward. It's dangerous. You could use that thing as a trident if you needed to. <laughs> um, like, and I don't, I mean, in Mario Party, like, I don't know anybody that didn't hurt the palm of their hands. Like, I. I had the skin ripped out the cam- palm yes. of my hands. I, have, I know friends with like scars on the palm of their hands from a controller for a kid's game. <laughs> mm. um, I, I don't think it's like functionally inoperable. I just feel like there must have been a better way. The best, I will say, is the Nintendo Switch. Mm. I was talking to somebody and saying that i think it's maybe the most genius design for any console ever the way everything fits together and it does all of the things it does it is genius and and the way that you can take these things off and you can use them as individual controllers even if you need to if you want to double up uh it's the best controller i've ever used Mm. yep it's even got um, like an uh, an infrared uh, sensor on. I think it's the right hand. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, and and the joy. Yeah, the joysticks uh, are NFC readers, mm-hmm. which is for people that don't know near field communication. It's what Amiibos are basically mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's just so 
unbelievably smart in ways that I, I think most people, maybe even me, will never appreciate. <laughs> you know, it's like this constant puzzle box where it just feels like, oh, I figured this out. Oh, wow, there's something else here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I would argue that that's kind of what Nintendo do. They they don't innovate by putting more transistors into the into the chips and um, costing themselves billions of dollars for the first for the first three years of a console's life. They take what's available on the shelf, engineer it in a way that will make it fun and innovative, and sell that. Yeah. Okay. So the Nintendo Wii and the Nintendo Wii U didn't sell that great. But if you look at them for what they are, like the Wii U was essentially the Proto Switch, right? Yeah. And I take issue with the idea that the Wii didn't sell well. It is the fastest selling console of all time. Mm-hmm. It is the second best console that's not handheld of all time. Um, it is, it was hugely revolutionary. People don't understand that like motion tracking was not really a thing in video games before then. Mm-hmm. Um, the main problem with it was that the novelty was never really built on successfully and it wore off after a while, which is, I think the Wii U was sort of doomed to fail because Mm -hmm. they called it the Wii U. If they had made it something else, then it would have been like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is something else. And I think it probably would have done better, but you're right. It is the proto switch. You know, the, the Mm -hmm. little command pad is, Exactly that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that you can turn it into a portable screen for the game, you know? And that is essentially what the Nintendo Switch does. And that's that's the gimmick of the Switch. It switches between your TV and in your hands. I never realized that that's what the Switch of the Switch was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. stupid. <laughs> no, 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 no. They, they, they never made it obvious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They never said, hey, switch between. Oh, you see what we did there? Man, I just, just remembering the Wii made me remember, or remembering the Wii and remembering you saying the switch was like a clever thing made me remember the Wii ads with where like the eye and the eyes and the, the word Wii would bow. Mm-hmm. And they would just be like two Japanese guys just showing up to people's houses and saying, we would like to play. And then they would mm-hmm. play a game. Mm-hmm. And that was the ad. Mm-hmm. And it feels so removed from <laughs> my present reality that I am like shocked it existed at all. <laughs> I was saying to somebody like, I can't really relate to the dreams and goals of 2019, Morgan, because, you know, a lot of things happened in 2020. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I just, my worldview has been shifted. (laughs) Mm. That's how I feel about those Wii U ads, where I'm like, this feels like a relic of like a bygone era, Mm -hmm. like some ancient civilization left this here for us to find. Mm -hmm. This bizarrely charming home invasion for the sake of video games. Because <laughs> in the ad, part of the ads is that they're not expected. Like, it's they make it very clear that, like, the families opening the door are not expecting company. But these two Japanese men in black suits 
show up and present a Wiimote like a sword. And maybe under the perceived threat of violence, these families let them in (laughs) and allow them to play with the members of their family, allow them to, to play Raymond Raving Rabbids or, you know, Mario Kart or Twilight Princess or some other game that I can't remember. <laughs> I love trying to this, remember. I love how this links back to Die Hard, a hostile yeah. invasion. <laughs> yeah. They were just having their dinner. And then these other guys... Who who very much see themselves as the protagonists mm-hmm. come crashing into their lives. They just want to spread peace and love they say, through we video games. They say their intentions very clearly. We absolutely would like to play. <laughs> mm-hmm. And on that note. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is a very good, very good note to leave it on, uh, Morgan. I'd have to say it was a very good a very good performance of the We Would Like to Play line. I like it. <laughs> if anybody um, needs any voice work done, please contact me. There you go. And and how can people contact you then, Morgan? What's they the best can't. Um, <laughs> the best way. Send up a bat signal. <laughs> yeah. The best way is what I like to call actualization, where you put your thoughts out into the universe and the universe brings you what you need. So keep thinking about me and I will show up at your house unannounced with a Wiimote. <laughs> Um, no, uh, I, I am just woefully prepared as a professional, but the best thing you could do would be to follow me on Twitter at Morgan Ritson. That's M O R G A N R I T S O N. And I've gotten used to spelling it because everybody else thinks that I'm somehow the heir to the Ritz cracker fortune, which I would love to be true, but isn't, um, yeah. At Morgan Ritson on Twitter and I don't I don't know. I accept love letters. I I need to have a, a better online presence. <laughs> I I don't th- I don't think everyone desperately needs millions of channels. I mean I'm about to list all the ones we're on, but I don't think anyone needs a big because it just not everybody way, right? needs it. It would saturate the market. Anyways, please catch us on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You you preempted me. You preempted me. But I did I just the like as a tangential thing. Um I was talking There's to no a friend tangents of mine allowed day, on this episode. Oh well I don't we've been entirely on point the entire time. And anyone Absolutely. who says otherwise no, is a liar and a fraud. Absolutely. Should I leave now then? And, and a fraud. Should I leave now then? <laughs> they're, they're a liar, a fraud, and a yes, fraud. Yes, we've cast Toad on you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, I was talking to one of my friends the other day and just, you know, just catching up, you know, and I, well, what's new with you? And he said, I deleted all my social accounts six months ago and I am so much. I'm in such a. I'm so much poorer. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost That's everything. It. That's it. They even took the Twitter. <laughs> She's turned the wheels against. They took my guitar. 
<laughs> I don't even have a guitar. I'm just strumming my belly yeah. button. That's it. We'll trade. We'll trade shoes for a slice of bread. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wrong absolutely, way down a absolutely. runway street. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Trying to think of any other limb but, show references. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I genuinely think that... Is that anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, not I, everyone has to have a huge online yeah. presence. Uh, that's that's just the point I'm yeah. trying to make. That's Whether that's a good point or not. Yeah, it's just, I think I probably need one just so people can find me. Um, you know, like a lot of notable mm. authors have at least a notable online presence and i just am terrible at keeping in touch with people i'm terrible at keeping in touch with like family members like it used to be that like my mother and sister would call me like once a week just to check that i was alive because i would just right. i have like a baby's level of object permanence with people i'm just mm-hmm. like as soon as they're out of my cone of vision they're dead they're <laughs> they're dead i'm not thinking about them they are inconsequential to my life. Moving on. <laughs> Thank you for driving me to school, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I should probably be more built up on Twitter at Morgan Ritson, but mm. eh, whatever. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, do get in contact with, with Morgan. Uh, he's, a, he's a top chap, I would say. Um, because we've had a lot of fun. So what I'll say to you, Morgan, is thank you ever so much for being on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, I really appreciated the the fun and humor you've brought as well. It's not something we always do. So I'm, I'm very happy to have to have had that. So thank you ever so much. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to have been here. Hopefully uh, we can do this again, because I, I very much enjoyed it. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. uh I don't have enough friends to do podcasting to to start my own, so I'll I'll live this dream for I mean, you. That's why I started podcasting, so I could meet yeah. more people. Everybody has a podcast, but me. Well, why not start your podcast about not having a podcast? I was referencing a book. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Called Everybody Has a Podcast by You, which are by people that I'm not giving free press to. They're they're not paying me for this, so you know, I I am a fan. <laughs> if they hear this, but, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I I as as vain as it sounds, I do like the sound of my own voice, <laughs> um, and I still would feel pretty dickish sitting in a darkened room talking to myself about things that I think are important. Or even worse, trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be a darkened room. So that's well, one less thing to be dicky. It, it's always a darkened room in my mind. You can't turn on the light in there, in the thunder Fair fields enough. of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I don't know what to say to that. If I'm I just, if anybody's curious, <laughs> I am in a good place with my mental health. So <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> I am safe. I am in good hands. Please do not worry. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, what I'll say is, um, 
Thank you, Morgan, for being on the show. And thank you all for listening to another episode of The Waffling Tailors. Um, I have been one of your hosts, Jay. And the guy who's about to say something right now has been the other host, Squidge. What? Is it me? Oh. Exactly. <laughs> My voice just suddenly got done. A lot deeper there for some reason. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. I, I can't think his job. I can't think. Next, I take his dun, life. Done, done. Next time on the Wolf Next Tales. time on Dragon Ball Z. Just <laughs> three hours yes. of someone going, ah! while they're charging up for four episodes. Oh, my God. I, I, I don't know if we're still recording, but I, when I was in school, I was in second grade. I remember this so clearly. I had a system with my dad where every bit of homework I did, I'd get like five minutes of TV time because I hated doing homework. I still do. The only reason I should have homework is to reinforce the lesson of the day so that I'm ready for the test. If I ace the test, homework doesn't matter. Anyways, I remember stacking up. I was like, oh, I'll do two things because Dragon Ball Z is on and I want 10 minutes. And because this is America, I turned on the TV and sat through 10 minutes straight of ads. Oh, no. Oh, and a later day when Goku did turn Super Saiyan 3, I think people forget that the whole episode before that is comprised entirely of people thinking to themselves, if he can. And then possibly what that would look like. And then he goes, now I'll do it. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dragon Ball Z was the biggest, the Such biggest cocktails. Um, <laughs> I was going to say time sink cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! Excellent. Well, <laughs> I'll still do the roundup. Here we go. So. Um, Yes. So if you want to learn more about us, head over to wafflingtailors.rocks. That's our website. Uh, the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, Waffling Tailors. There's a bit of a pattern there. I mean, maybe there is, maybe there's not. I don't know. Um, but all that really remains to say is, uh, see you later, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. What? And see you later, Morgan. See you later. Uh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Intro music is Among the Stars by Muse Station Productions. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Daguet. See the show notes for more details.